Off the Beat with Brett Jensen is presented by Felix Savadas Mercedes-Benz of South Charlotte, Charlotte's premier Mercedes-Benz dealer and the Carolinas' number one volume sales leader. Over 300 new and 200 pre-owned vehicles always available. Visit mbcharlotte.com. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Off the Beat with Brett Jensen, and I am your host, Brett Jensen. And in this week's episode, we're going to continue our conversation with Sherry Lynch. She's one of the most important women in radio, and she's been doing it for over two decades. She's on over 50 stations nationwide, and she's also worldwide on the Armed Forces Radio Network. I'm also going to talk about online dating. There's a lot of data and statistics out about online dating, and I'm going to go over some of that stuff with you and also give you some of my thoughts on how they relate and why those things either are or aren't true. But first, I'm going to take you behind the scenes and some of the stuff that I've had to do while chasing stories as a reporter. My first job out of school was at the Charlotte Observer, and I had been hired as a sports reporter. Well, there had been a hiring freeze at the Observer and nationwide within the company of Knight Ritter. So they approached me and said, hey, look, we want you to be our night cops reporter. Well, I didn't know anything about cops. I mean, what I knew was basketball, baseball, football, and the like. Like, I didn't know anything about being a news reporter, especially involving cops and crimes. I was like, okay, whatever. You know, after talking to other reporters, they said, hey, we think this would be really good for you in your career going forward. So why not do it? So I said, okay, that's fine. I'll be the night cops reporter. But also, and part of that meant that if the regular reporter that was covering school board meetings or city council or county commissioners or something else was going on and they couldn't deal with it, I had to cover it. Well, early on, probably within the first month, they came to me, the editors, and they were like, hey, look, we need you to go cover a county commissioner's meeting. I know nothing about local government. I don't know anything. I'm like 23 years old and know nothing about local politics. And to be honest with you, don't care. Ugh. So I go to the meeting at night. Starts at like 7 o'clock at night. And I get there, and it's at a junior college. And it's in the auditorium. So I get there in the auditorium. Commissioners are all on stage. But the auditorium is pitch black, like you're there watching a play. The county commissioners are on stage where it's lit. So it's exactly like if you're doing a play. And again, we're talking about something that I could not care less about. By the way, it's couldn't care less, not could care less. So I could not care less about this. Because it's dark and because I'm bored to tears, about 20 minutes into this whole county commissioner's meeting, I fall asleep. The seats were nice and cushiony, and I was reclining a little bit, leaning back, and a nice little chill in the auditorium. I was out. And I was not one of those kids that fell asleep during school. I just generally didn't fall asleep during school. I wasn't those, one of those that took naps during cl- math class. That wasn't me. But I fell asleep at my very first ever county commissioner's meeting. I woke up when they adjourned the meeting and everyone started standing up. I was like, oh, my God. I have no idea what they were talking about. I don't even know what they discussed. Like, I had the little agenda in my hand. But to be honest with you, even when they were talking, I didn't understand what the hell they were talking about anyway. So what am I going to do? I'm like, I'm freaking out. Oh my God, my very first ever county commissioner's meeting and I fell asleep and I don't have anything to write about for that next morning's paper. I go to a county commissioner. I have no idea who it is, but it's the only woman on the board. I figured, okay, I can at least know who this is and find out who it is. 
So I go to her, and I'm talking to her, making small chat. Hey, I'm Brett Jensen. I'm with the Charlotte Observer, blah, 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 blah. And then I say to her, what did you think was the most important part of today's meeting? So then I just started you know, recording her and figured I can write my story based on what she thinks is the most important. Then I'll have topics that I can mention. And then I go to another commissioner. Here's a way reporters do things. Yeah, we get your name. What's your name? Bill Jones. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't know someone's name, you just go, can you spell your name for me again? And they go, yeah, it's B-I-L-L-J-O-N-E-S. And then you can always say, well, I'm sorry, you know, I've seen I've seen names with J-O-N-E-Z, or I've seen names with only one L in Bill. I just wasn't sure how you was spelled because I didn't want to spell your name wrong by accident in case it's spelled funky. So you can always get away with it if you don't know someone's name and you're embarrassed to ask them what their name is. I'm sorry, how do, how do you spell your name again? How is, that, how is it spelled, first and last name? So that's what I did with these people, and then I asked him the exact same question. So what did you think was the most important part of tonight's thing? And he said the same thing, and I went, perfect. If two people are saying that such and such was the most important thing of the night, then it was probably the most important thing of the night, and that should be the lead of my story. Then I go, well, what other things did you find interesting tonight, or what other areas of tonight's conversations did you find most meaningful or impactful? And he would answer that. He said, well, you know, I thought the school bond issue, and I thought this and that. Great. Awesome. And I'm writing all this stuff down, and again, I fell asleep and had no clue what they were talking about. Well, can you explain that to me in greater detail? What does this mean? What could this mean for the county if this gets passed? And it was brilliant. From that moment on, that's how I started asking even things that I was awake for. I would ask that. Well, what does this mean? What was your favorite part? What part did you think was just wasteful? Even in the world of sports, those questions wound up being gold for me. And it all started purely by accident just because I fell asleep during my first ever county commissioner's meeting. And of course, the editors never knew because I was able to take all the recordings and all the quotes from these people and write a story based on what they told me on what was the most important and what was the least important and what it all meant. Because people love to talk about themselves and people love to explain answers to you and expand on their opinion and like, oh, I'm going to be all informative. So there's something that happens behind the scenes that you may not know that reporters do. Again, it's all about how you ask the questions. All right, so coming up next on Off the Beat is my second part of the interview with Sherry Lynch, the radio maven. She is radio gold, and she's absolutely hysterical in this aspect. She's so funny, and we talk about relationships and all kinds of other things. Trust me, you'll definitely want to listen to this. She's absolutely comedic gold. And then later on in the podcast, after that, we'll talk about more relationship stuff and online dating, and there's all kinds of new data and stats, and I'll break it down for you because I have done online dating. So all that's coming up next right here on Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. All right, everybody, welcome back to Off the Beat with Brett Jensen, and I am your host, Brett Jensen. And coming up now is part two of my interview with Sherry Lynch. She's part of the Bob and Sherry Show and has been part of it for over two decades. Her show can be heard on 50 stations nationwide and worldwide on the Armed Forces Radio Network. She is a very historic figure in the history of radio, especially for women. She's absolutely outstandingly funny, she's sincere, and she's honest, which is why so many people love her. So sit back and enjoy part two of Sherry Lynch. True or false? The first album you ever bought with your own money was the Brady Bunch album. Yes, it was. I was so excited. <laughs> I was, I don't even know how old I was. Um, my grandmother had taken me to this store that was, I guess, like a Kmart, and I had birthday money, and I wanted that Brady Bunch record. And I was little because she was holding my hand still, so I couldn't have been more than six or seven years old. I wanted that Brady Bunch record. 
And I just could not play the song when it's time to change that, that they sing about, like where Peter Brady's voice changes. Oh, yeah, Peter Brady. I could not get enough of that. <laughs> well, my first album, for good measure, because we're probably pretty close to the exact same age, and my first album with my own money, my own birthday money, was The Village People. You're way cooler than I the am. The YMCA album. Oh, yeah. You're way cooler. The Verity Bunch. Although I will tell you, for the Village People, that's where I imprint. The Village People are where I imprinted my ideas about like the ideal man, and I always wanted the construction worker, and so I married him. That's my husband, Kevin, not the actual Village person, construction worker, because right. he would not be interested in me. But <laughs> right. I just had a thing for that. Like, oh, look he had a little white hard ad in the in the in the aviators with the mustache, the tool belt, and the boots. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so you've written two books, and I I love the title of one. Obviously, you know, Hello, My Name is Mommy. And then the other one, which without knowing anything about it, I would assume that's geared towards mothers. Um, But again, you could correct me if I'm wrong on that. But the other one was uh, Be Happy or I'll Scream. And then My Deranged Quest for the Perfect Husband, Family, and Life. And that title alone makes me feel like that could be the title of my book. It's like, except for the husband part. Well, well, we're back to the village people now. <laughs> right. um, I've got the dibs on the construction worker. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, I guess it's for women, but uh, I always thought that everybody walked around with a picture-perfect idea in their head and tried to move mountains to create that life, that family, that marriage. I realize now that that's a legacy of growing up without any of those things and thinking that... You know, if you just worked really hard to put all the ingredients together, it would turn into soup. Um, I've since learned from people that are emotionally and mentally healthier than I am. That that's not how everybody lives. And what a surprise that's been. Right. You know, like some people, yeah. some people are just, they take their life more as they, they find it. And they don't, they don't think that they can work their way. Um, that they can craft and and fabricate their way to it, which is how I ended up, you know, divorced, but now happily remarried to my construction worker fantasy. <laughs> See, the next question would be, all right, what, what, do you come home and go, all right, honey, it's our anniversary. Here's a tool belt. Here's a hard hat. You know, hey, girl, little role play. <laughs> girl, let me tell you. So um, he built the house that we live in. Oh. And he's always tinkering with it. And he knows, he knows that if uh, it's been kind of slow and he swaggers on in with his tool belt with a drill in his hand or something, uh, that I am gonna, that's going to get my attention. I don't know, I just love pl- it. Yeah, or nay on the plumber's crack. Um, on him, yeah. <laughs> right. Not on all y'all. Right. Okay. No, trust me. The, don't no, a bunch right. of guys in this building start dropping books and bending uh, over. Um, the uh, other thing is that I spent a lot of my childhood out in Wyoming around wranglers and ranchers and cowboys and stuff, so... Yeah. My idea of the ideal man is like, well, let's just say uh, poor Bob Lacey, who is so like urbane and metrosexual, would not be it. Like, I like a man that can build things and fix things and hunt things and <laughs> ride things and, you know, all that. I was going to say, so me and my pink vineyard vine shirts, that's just not going to do it. I got yeah, you. no. I got no. you. All right, me and Bob will start hanging out there. I mean, you're precious and adorable, <laughs> but can you build me a bookcase? Probably not. Oh, I no. There's no probably to it. No. You couldn't build no. a bookcase? Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, Maybe if there were directions for like simplistic for like a seven-year-old, maybe I could do it. You could assemble an Ikea bookcase is what you're getting up here and saying. Yes, but I would be really worried that I would trash my thumb with a hammer. So you must have other amazing gifts that drive your wife wild. Do you cook? 
Um, I well, a I'm single. Never been married. Never been married. Yeah. Well, oh, come tra- on in, buddy. The waters. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I traveled. I traveled way too much back in the day with my job as a sports reporter. So yeah, that's I, hard. I mean, I was gone 150 days a year, and so um, cooking is my hobby. So you can. Cook. I love to, and I'm really good. I'm really good at it. Then we're not going to push you out and feed you to the zombies on the first wave of the apocalypse. I, I suck on the grill. I don't know how to cook on the grill because I've always lived in condos or whatever. So I've never had a grill. I'm not like the man with the grill and the apron. No, that's not me. I'm in the kitchen. But you and, can and cook. I am, and I am like really good at it. We'll take it. Sherry Lynch of the Bob and Sherry Show, over 50 stations and all over the world on Armed Forces Radio Network. You make sure you listen to them every single day as well as their oddcast. Yeah, we do um, We do a non-broadcast podcast called the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. It's kind of everything that we can't, won't, shouldn't, or didn't do on the air. Right. Um, it would not pass muster, you know, with the FCC. It's a whole different kind of, it's a whole different environment. Well, I, I, I'm sure everyone loves it, and that's why it's one of the top podcasts out there. So, again, by the way, I love the fact that uh, I had to ask you when we were at a book signing. Or remember Bill Clinton's uh, book with James Patterson? Thing. Yes. Who, by the way, I interviewed for this podcast, James Patterson. Wasn't he, was not he just the most charming man? I thought he was lovely when I met him. Oh, yeah, he was great. And I, I tried to close it. And he said, well, wait a minute, you didn't ask me about this. You didn't ask me about that. And you get, he goes, we got to keep going. So we, we went another 15 minutes. I thought I was so afraid to meet James Patterson because I thought, oh, you know, you know, sometimes you don't want to meet people you admire because okay. if they disappoint you or your feelings get hurt, he so exceeded my expectations. Now, when I, when I went to that event that night where I saw you, President Bill Clinton was there, everyone has asked me the same question, and that is, is he so charismatic? And the answer to that is, he is so charismatic. He, he is. Was he not? Like when he comes into the room, oh. there's a, a wave of energy that rides in there with him. Even I swooned. I mean, he and he was incredibly, he was lovely and gracious and people were like, well, did he hit on you? No, he did <laughs> not hit on me. He did not hit on me. Uh. Neither, no one hits on me except for my husband, the construction worker village person. Um, That's great. But I thought, I thought he had, I'm glad you saw it too, because it's yeah. hard to describe if you've not encountered it, where there's one level of sort of like in the room, and then he comes through and everything so it, transforms. It does. It absolutely does. It was, it was, a, it was a great night. It was, like I said, and Patterson was really great with his time as well because I spoke to him the very next morning is when I did the interview. With him. I don't know what you threatened him with to get an interview with him because he's very difficult to. What did you? Uh, what you have on him? Um, I ripped his PR team sideways. Um, went after them pretty good because they were stringing me along, stringing me along, stringing me along, and finally they said no. And they said, "But you can still cover it." I said, "Why in God's name would I ever cover this event if I'm not going to get to speak to him?" And then I said, you do know that uh, Intercom has 10-10 wins in New York and Detroit and Minneapolis and New Orleans and Charlotte and this and that. And this podcast is now on Apple iTunes and, and Google Play. I said, so, but that's fine. Yeah, whatever. You, you don't need New York City. You don't need uh, L.A. with KFI. You don't need any of this stuff. No, well, we get it. We get it. The Like, I'm not even joking. Three hours later, four hours later. Uh, Mr. Patterson will be available to speak to you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. You know what the thing about it is? Like, James Patterson is the most lovely, gracious person. But, of course, he's surrounded by a wall of people that are getting paid to keep people like us at bay. He does, if you don't know this about James Patterson, he does. He's so extraordinarily generous Mm -hmm. with his time and with his treasure. He does so much work 
on behalf of literacy, young readers, booksellers. He is an absolute force of nature in the world of publishing and writing and libraries. He's just extraordinary. So I'm he, glad that you bullied oh, them into letting oh, him Oh, yeah. He get and his you. teacher, I mean, he and his wife started a teacher's scholarship that's been going on up at Appalachian State yeah. for years. And people don't know. Oh, people got, don't know. He's got 30 teaching, he's got 30 universities across America where they've set up teaching scholarships for people who want to become teachers. Scholarships. Yeah. 30 different universities all over the country. And Appalachian State was one of the first. It's, it's an extraordinary thing that he's done. We live in a culture that is so obsessed with fame and wealth, frankly. Like, we're all over here going, I can't afford to go to the doctor, but I like watching rich people on TV, right? We just love us some rich people and some famous people in america right now um but what we what we don't celebrate are those people who use their fame and their fortune to move the human ball so far forward down the field that was a sports metaphor for you because you're like nice job nice job we'll do some sports (laughs) kind of sports game talk because you're a sportsy guy so he has done quietly and without fanfare so much to make life better for so many people. And we're over here going, oh my God, what is that lip liner that Kylie Jenner is wearing? And not paying any attention to some really extraordinary human beings that are doing so, so, so much for everybody. Part of the podcast is I give relationship and dating advice for men. Oh, I want to hear some. Okay. For a man, if you're trying, if it's your anniversary, it's your birthday. You and I, Sherry, are dating or we're married. And it's your birthday or your anniversary, and a man can't cook. The worst thing a man can do is try to go to Harris Teeter and buy flowers on his way home and go, oh, happy anniversary. You know, here's a box of candy. Here's some flowers I got at the grocery store. If you're going to do flowers, take the flowers to her at work during lunch. Surprise her. Yeah. All right? Just, it's a simple effort. Like, it's no effort. But my, my rule one is if you can't cook and you don't want to take her out because, it's a, say, it's a Tuesday night. If you're dating or if you're married, you know what her favorite restaurant is and you know what her favorite food is. Go to the restaurant, buy that her favorite food to go, get to the house, prepare it so she doesn't have to do anything, set it on the plates, reheat it, do whatever it is you got to do, but get her her favorite food from her favorite restaurant. And it was no effort for whatsoever for you, but she will be so appreciative. Totally agree. My other rule, but the same thing, vice versa, is women who want to give their husbands an anniversary present or birthday present, it can't be sex because we automatically assume we're getting sex. So don't, <laughs> don't show up at the door wearing a negligee or a brand new nightgown or nighty or anything like that, new lingerie, because we already we already expect that we're getting our special birthday present on that day anyway. So do not show up wearing that stuff because that's part of the, we, we expect it. That cannot be the gift. That cannot be the gift. No. You know, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I've long suspected that was true. Equally, Brett, um, when it's my birthday, do not wake me up 20 minutes early to give me a special birthday present because listen up, chief, my idea of a special birthday present is to sleep another 20 minutes. That's right. Okay? Right. So if we could just negotiate these things more openly, see if we were both single, we would have an outstanding romantic relationship because we would just tell each other up front, looky, looky here. That ain't going to fly. That's exactly how I am. I'm so brutally honest with that stuff. Yeah. yeah n- no sex. No. I-, I know I'm getting that anyway. No. I, I expect something different. In addition to. So, right. like, you would like some new fishing lures or sports ball uniform stuff or, like... 
socks, right? Well, now with me, it would be, no, I want uh, new cooking utensils or some new cookbooks or something like that. That would be with me. Yes. What if um, What if I arranged for us to have a private chef come in and give us an at-home romantic cooking lesson? Oh. I, would that be like the best oh my God. thing ever? That would be better than Christmas. Yes. That would be outstanding. So do you think that you'll be like single forever? I don't know. Like, do you think we're never going to get a lasso around you, you know, and drag I, you kicking and screaming to marital bliss? You know what's funny though? After the fiance and I broke up three months before the wedding um, because I was traveling too much, I decided I was going to take a job where I wasn't traveling to purposely try to settle down and this and that. And there have been a couple of women uh, that I thought I was going to marry that it didn't work out. And I'm not opposed to it. And, of course, everyone our age either has children or grandchildren by now, depending if you grew up in Gastonia or not. So it's uh, – Ouch. I can say that. I, I, I sort of grew up in the Gastonia. That's your, so those I can, are your people. I can sort of say that. Like, you talk about your background. I'm from Gastonia. So <laughs> let's let's be honest here. But so, so no, it's uh, – I'm not opposed to it. And actually, in a perfect world, yeah, whether she's got five-year-olds or whether she's got 15-year-olds or 25-year-olds, I'm okay. Like, I'm – I'm good with that. Whatever. You know, my whole thing is I've, I've waited this long. I'm not going to settle. No, I mean, now that you have, because the rest of us that have clocked some, I would never call them mistakes. I would call them learning experiences that involved very expensive alimony. Right. So um, right. sometimes the, the decisions that you make when you're young and in my case, like just super damaged are not great long term life decisions. No regrets. You know, it brought you to where you are right now, but you'd be in a position where you could choose and you could make a, a, a really great choice. And well, not let me settle. know if you got any friends. You know, you need one. <laughs> like all the women I know, I don't know if this has been your experience. It doesn't sound like it has. All the women I know, our idea of heaven is a man who cooks and has to travel for work. Like, I'm sorry. It's funny. Well, I didn't, I didn't take up cooking until I stopped traveling because I was like, I got to learn how to feed myself. If you know how to cook and you travel for work and you've got like a 700 credit score, I can't keep my hands off of you. Like, to me, that is the perfect man. Well, yes on two of those. I don't <laughs> travel anymore. The, I don't travel anymore. you got to work on the other. Yeah, I don't travel anymore. So I'm just saying, if you know any friends. All right. Saying, you, know. you know what? Um, I actually do. I think uh, I might be able to connect right. you. you know, all right. So that's, that's just... See, you go to do you go to work to do a podcast, and next thing you know, you're ending up with new dates. That's awesome. That's not hey in this in this building. That's as much a unicorn as my career has been. <laughs> awesome stuff. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Brad. Right. Okay, coming up next on Off the Beat with Brad Jensen is relationship stuff. There's all kinds of new data and studies out concerning online dating. I'm going to break them down for you and tell you what I believe to be real and what's not real because I have experience in online dating and I can't wait to share this with you. All that is next on Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. All right, everybody, welcome back to Off the Beat with Brett Jensen, and I am your host, Brett Jensen. Okay, in this section, we always like to do relationship advice or dating advice or something that can help you get along with your day to day activities with your partner. Because 60% of all women in Charlotte are single. That's right. 60% of all women in Charlotte are single. And I mean adult women. That means that they were either divorced or never married or separated or widowed. Conversely, 55% of all men in Charlotte are single. And because of that, more and more people are relying on online dating to meet a partner. 
more women are working than ever before in the history of the planet. More women are making more money than ever before in the history of the planet. And because of that, they're busy, just like guys are busy. And they don't have time to go out and maybe hang out at bars or whatever it is that we used to do back in the day. So online dating is more and more prevalent. And with that prevalency comes more and more revelations about what's going on in the world of online dating. So here are some things. 81% of all people online either lie about their height, their weight, or their age. Now, I've had women actually lie to me about their age and their weight. And they do it in one fell swoop because they put old pictures of themselves online. And I've told this story before. The very first date I went on when I moved back to Charlotte, I went and met this girl and she had posted pictures of herself that looked really good. And everything's like, oh, wow, she wants to go out with me. That's really cool. I get there and I meet her. She came up to me and said, hey, Brett, I had no idea who it was because the person that came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and said my name was not the person in the profile. She had put pictures of herself when she was in college over 10 years prior, but her age was real. It just made it look like, oh, she's aged very well. She's looking good in her mid-30s. Uh, no. But here's what I don't understand from a guy's perspective or even a woman's perspective. Why are you going to lie about your age or your height or your weight? People are going to see your height and your weight. As soon as they see you, they're going to go, oh, man, you're a tiny little guy, aren't you? Oh, there's a reason why you didn't show any body shots in your profile. Now I get it. Okay. That's why guys are really insistent about women doing full body shots from head to toe on their profile. Because many times we're thinking we're getting one thing and then inevitably something else shows up. So don't lie about your height or your weight or your age. I mean, it's just silly. And I get if you're lying about your age because you want to do a quick hookup. And I would bet, I would bet the vast majority of those people lying about their age are guys. Okay, you're really 45 and you're saying that you're 38. That way going out with a 32-year-old doesn't seem that weird. But if you're 48, a 32-year-old doesn't want to go out with you. But if you're 38, okay, that's fine. There's a possibility. So I would suspect most of the people lying about their age are guys. Here's another thing, and this really comes on the women's side. Studies have shown the word love is the most used word on profiles. Researchers also found that men benefited the most by using the words heart or children, romantic, and relationship. And those people that use the word love or any of those other words that I just mentioned were much more likely to find success in dating online and having those long-term relationships. And I get it. Because this is a quick meet and greet. Women are much more likely to spend time reading the profiles. Men, okay, how do you look? Swipe right, swipe left. Yes, no, yay, nay. But studies have shown women are much more likely to be interested in those guys online who have middle class or successful jobs. If a guy's profile says working class, women are 13% less likely to be interested in them. So women, you go, oh, guys, all you care about are the boobs and the butt and the way a girl looks. Well, we could honestly say, well, a woman only cares about our checking account. So don't be calling us all shallow. How many times have you been walking down the street or you've been somewhere and you see a really old guy or an ugly guy with a really, really pretty woman? Every guy automatically goes, oh, he must have a fat checking account. So don't get all high and mighty about guys being shallow. But guys do spend 65% more time looking at the pictures on the profile than women do. And women spend 50% more time actually reading the online dating profiles. That makes sense. I mean, I get it. I'm equally as guilty. I'll look at a woman's profile. I'll see her pictures. And then if her pictures interest me, then I'll read the profile. But I always read the profile. You need to know what you're getting in for. Now, look, all those crazy algorithms, whether it's on eHarmony or whatever, it cannot predict whether or not these two people are going to be compatible. None of these sites can predict whether or not a relationship is going to last just because they had similar interests and personalities. But there is this. Couples who meet online are less likely to get divorced. 
In a study published in the Journal of Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences found that 35% of the 20,000 people who responded to a survey met their spouses online. Think about that, 35%. That's 7,000 out of the 20,000 met their spouse online. And here's something for guys. Online dating, on average, saves people $6,400 because people who meet online have a tendency to marry much sooner than those who meet in the normal way. People who meet online get married on average 18 and a half months after meeting. People who don't meet online, whether you meet at church or at work or at the grocery store, they wait on average 42 months before marrying. Holy crap, that's three and a half years. On average, guys spend about $130 a week for dates. That's a lot of cheddar, baby. We all knew this part. About 30% of all women consult with a friend about their profile. And a lot of times I'm going to go, oh, my friend wrote this for me. Guys, on the other hand, only 16% of all guys actually consult with their friend about, hey, does this profile look good? What do you think about this picture? Does this wording sound right? A little hint for you guys. If you've got an animal, post your dog. Here's another thing. If you've got a cat, don't mention it. Let them find out on their own. Women tend to be a little judgy about guys who own cats. Just like guys tend to be a little bit judgy of women who own four cats. But 30% of all women consult with a friend about their profile. Here's another thing. Women who don't drink get about 24% fewer messages than women who do. If I find out that you don't drink or you're a vegetarian, I generally won't message you. And it's probably because I feel like every time I'm eating a cheeseburger and drinking a beer, I'm going to be judged. And I don't want to be judged. I want to be relaxed. I don't want to think, oh my gosh, am I grossing her out while eating this medium rare steak while chasing it with some bourbon or red wine? There's another thing that I find interesting. Women are more likely to get messaged if they don't have a master's degree. A lot of guys are intimidated with me. I've always been the opposite. The smarter, the better. The smarter you are, the more turned on I get and the more interested I am in you. But there are a lot of guys out there who are very insecure about stuff like that. They don't want to be with a woman who's smarter. But I got news for you. Most women are smarter than guys anyway. But the guys are so stupid, they just don't know it. But you know what? I actually prefer online dating as opposed to what it used to be where you'd have to go to a bar, come up with some cheesy line and offer to buy her a drink. It's a lot of money. And it got to the point where I wouldn't buy a girl a drink the very first time I met her. I'm not going to bar, hi, can I get you a drink? I'm not doing that. I stopped a long time ago doing that. If you like me, you don't need me to buy you a drink. And if your entire aspect on whether or not you like me is based on whether or not I bought you a glass of wine, drop dead. I guess that goes back to the whole having a fat chicken account aspect. So those are some of the new data that has come out about online dating. Like I said, I do it. I have dated online. I've had some success and I've had complete opposite unmitigated disasters. And it makes me question, what in the holy hell am I doing this for? But at the end of the day, it's a lot better than having to go to bars and trying to pick up women or making some awkward conversation while handling and fondling zucchini or melons at the grocery store. All right, that's another episode of Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. I look forward to seeing you next time. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen. I'd love to hear all your comments and all your thoughts. All you got to do is follow me, Brett, B-R-E-T-T, underscore, then J-E-N-S-E-N. And I'm also on Facebook. You can find me there. Until next time, I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Off the Beat. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.